Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We're back with another episode of Boots, Balls, and Bras, and join us today, Aston Villa manager Carla Ward. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Good. Yeah, sat in my kitchen, um, enjoying a day off, so I can't complain. What have you been up to on your day off? Anything exciting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, when we used, to, you know, we used to exercise. Now we don't. Now we're retired. <laughs> one of those to get to the gym, and I've been in there for literally a couple of hours this morning. Right, lucky you. I don't even know what the gym looks like these days. <laughs> um, Carla, I've got you on just to talk about a few things. Obviously, expectations of Aston Villa this season off the back of the success in terms of league finish last year. A little bit about female coaches. Um, we've seen Emma Hayes' comments a few weeks back. And then a little bit about what it means for club managers on an international break and how that works. So the first thing I wanted to ask you was given the expectation maybe from the outside in, um, on your league position last last year, how do you how would you assess your season so far? Yeah, it's a tough one. An expectation, it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's not just from the outside; it's from within as well. And I think when you achieve what we achieved last year, you almost have to try and bring players back down as well to the reality of where we're at. And I think it was important pre season that we recognise where we were. And I think it was really clear that. You know, no one's gone after, no one's achieved top six after finishing fifth in the league. So if we can manage that, it would be a huge achievement. So we had to manage um, expectations outside and inside. But let's be honest, we had an absolutely horrific start. Um, there's no dressing it up. You know, I didn't want to say. Let's just get to the point. It was absolutely dreadful, um, which was frustrating because against Man United and Arsenal, I thought we were excellent. And um, yeah, I think if you add in that some major decisions and a bit of luck not on our side. Um, yeah, five games in, um, bottom, bottom of the league, weren't we? Absolutely having a terrible time thinking, am I going to get the sack? And that <laughs> that's normal. Um, so then you start thinking, wow, you know, uh, where do we go from here? But I think the big thing and my job and probably the one thing I have to focus on is keeping the group together, keeping belief, keeping confidence. Even when you go home and you're scratching your head thinking, what else can I do? You have to maintain trying to install a belief into the group. And I think that that was pretty much focus on trying to turn it around. But um, yeah, we're in a far better place now. Um, and it's taken look, some a lot of sleepless nights. It's taken a lot of work. It's taken everyone to stick together and everyone to make have each other's backs because that's big for me in our environment, making sure everyone looks after each other. And I think without that, we might have been dead and buried by now, but the reality is we stuck together, stuck to our guns, stuck to what we wanted to go after. And now we're in a better position going into sort of the final stretch. Yeah. How difficult was that? Because obviously, you know, I love your interviews at the end of the game. I think, you know, there's not enough, say, honesty for managers. I think you're brutally honest with, with your own assessment and the assessment of players when you give your time to, to the media at the end. How difficult was that? Because obviously being questioned about your job and whether, you, you know, you think you're going to have it in a couple of weeks, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure you would have heard everyone talking about it. And obviously that's different now, having that pressure now as a manager in the women's game where, you know, sacking is a possibility. Whereas you think back to when we played, probably managers, you know, you know, never even dreamt of getting sacked from, from a job. How difficult was that period for yourself? 
tough. If I'm being really honest, Farah, that was probably the toughest point in my career, both playing and managing. I think I never really went through that um, at Sheffield United. I never worked, really went through it at Birmingham because <clears throat> everything was stacked against us at Blue. So even when it was tough times, everyone kind of supported you. So when you achieve what you did last season and then you come into it and you don't start that well, and I'll be honest, get pelters. Um, that's tough. <laughs> Let's be really honest. It was. Got absolutely yeah. busted at, by, by all angles. But it is tough because ultimately um, you give everything. You know, you see people questioning what you're doing. But me, I leave at 5.30 in the morning. It takes me two hours to get in. I spend all day there. Some days I don't get home till 11 o'clock at night. I've got four-year-old at home and you give, you sacrifice a lot for the job. So it's tough to get that criticism. And then you start questioning what you're doing it for. And actually there's a drive inside you, a hunger inside you to prove those people wrong. And it's funny because I know I touched on it before we went live, but you see people saying that you've got no chance of winning games. Not that you said you had no chance, by the way, but. <laughs> I wrote you off after the first four losses. I wrote you off. No, yeah. <laughs> um, you see people writing you off. And I'll be honest, it spurs you on. It's It gives you a little bit of fire. Um, and you want to prove people wrong, naturally. And I think I've done that my whole career. And I think, thankfully, we're sat here now on the curve of um, a nice upward curve. But, yeah, that was tough, really, really tough moment for sure. I think it was uh, – I mean, look, I, I, mm. I, there were games where I'd be like, you know, Villa should be winning these games. And look at the calibre of players that you brought in. It reminds me a little bit of when I signed for Reading um, from Arsenal and – there were some really hard-working players there that the culture of the club was about, you know, the work rate, etc. And then we overachieved in the season and finished fifth. And uh, nobody expected that. But it was the seasons after that when Kenny Chambers was trying to keep up with that and financially actually couldn't. And then we've seen, you know, what's happened to Reading now in terms of that, you know, trying to bring big players in. We've seen the change in the, the, the salary now within the women's game. How difficult now is that for Aston Villa, given the difference in the budgets throughout the whole WSL from top to bottom? in terms of keeping that expectation, bringing players in of high high quality so that you can, you know, keep pushing off the back of last season. You know, I think, what was it, fifth you finished last year? Fifth, yeah. Fifth, yeah, to try that, it's the same with us. It's tough. It's really tough because there's the expectation, of course. There's a lot of contributing factors. Um, we had, you know, we have got a really talented squad and I think you alluded to it just now, you know, those games that we should have won 100%, you know, I think that we should win most games we play in, but that's just me and my belief and, and what we should try and go after. Um, but um, it is difficult because there is a reality of the financials and there's no dressing that up. I think people think that it's, we're in a far stronger position than we are. That's the reality. I think that, I said it on a press conference a few weeks ago. I think with the the women's game is like going for a picnic, and on top of the blanket you've got <laughs> blanket you've got well some picnics if you if you're lucky enough. I want to hear what this picnic sounds like because I like way, I like a cheese and pickle sandwich. However, yeah. I'm going to go with the analogy of um, champagne and strawberries because everyone thinks it looks rosy, and underneath the blanket you've got rubble, grass, and the reality of the game. And I think that we probably need to take a moment to realise we're not as far on as we believe we are. Clubs aren't as far on as they believe we are. And women's football still, I would say, majority clubs in the WSL are running on a loss. So the reality is um, people think that budgets are bigger than they are and they're not. Uh, people think because we've had the ability to recruit top players, um, I believe in the way that we try and recruit, how we sell what we're trying to do. Um, people buy into the project. 
But when you're talking about financially keeping up with big clubs in the division, it's um, it's not realistic. I always, you know what you're spot on. I think, you know, I don't think there's enough one females or, or people within the women's game that are honest about actually where the game is and how fast it's just jumped from zero to God knows however many. And people think that the whole game is professional when there's so much more to be done. But you touch on other teams and I know how much and how highly rated you, Laura Brown, you go on, you can say a rather surname because I don't want to get tongue tied. Laura Brown, yeah. There you go, Laura Brown. That's what I, I remember her first name as being before she changed it. But um, I know how highly you rated her. And, and obviously, I spoke to Lucy Staniforth and she spoke about the qualities of her. And obviously, England set up and knew about, you, you know, how good she is. I know you would have been devastated, devastated, not devastating, devastated to have, to have lost her to Man City. But how hard was that in terms of the transfer? And obviously, I read, I might be wrong, but I read that they paid the buyout clause for her. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's a tough one because, well, Brownie played more more uh, minutes in the middle of the park than any other midfielder, which will show you just how much I thought of her and still think about her. I think she's got a an unbelievable career ahead of her, first and foremost. But it's really difficult. Um that and this is where it goes back to as the manager you're the forefront the face of the football club but there's a lot of moving parts in the background that happen and conversations and uh, clauses etc that they're out of your control but it was a difficult one because there is a clause in there um which most con most agents would now try and put into young players that might um might see an opportunity in a couple of years depending on their potential um they put the clause in. I'll be, I'll be really honest. Gareth rang me. I've got a good relationship with him. And he said, look, um, I'm going to be honest. We're, we're a couple of midfielders down. And I, I said, don't, don't even think about it without knowing who we were saying because we knew we were being short. And he said, um, look, we're going to be coming in for Laura. Um, I wanted to give you a heads up as, as a respect because we have a really good relationship. My exact words as I was pulling up to school to pick up the little one on the school run after school was, please don't do this because... It will it will hurt us, <laughs> but mm. football's football. You know they're going for a title. They're they're trying to achieve something, win something. So yeah, it, the the it happened quite quickly. I rang Lee straight away, our director of football, and I said we can't allow this to happen. Um, but sad reality is you can if there's a clause in the contract and they they match that clause, which of course the club, um, you know, when you hit that figure. Um, we don't have a say. I had a lot of conversations with Laura. She's a wonderful young young player, a wonderful young individual. And you know what? She said, I've got an opportunity with their how many midfielders they're missing to go in and play a big part. And I think it's an opportunity I can't turn down. And you know what? If a young player comes to you and 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 feels that way um, and believes that she's going to play a big part between now and the end of the season, then it's tough for her to turn down. And then of course, there's the obvious elephant in the room of you're never going to compete financially with what they can potentially offer the player. So there was a lot of different things going on. But yeah, I must admit, I, I was quite vocal about it. I was gutted. Um, something I really didn't want to happen. We didn't need it to happen. Um, but sometimes things are completely out of your control. I was going to say, I you know, I'm obviously don't coach and all that, but I was just thinking even an opportunity, but like, as you said, I, I see she plays regularly at Villa. She was, as you mentioned there, you know, started more minutes than any other player. Did, you, did Was there ever the conversation around, is she going to get the same minutes? Would the opportunity for Manchester City still be there come the end of the season? Because 
you know, having a full season of WSL football, which she would have had at Villa, transferring in January and probably won't get the minute she would have got a Villa until the end of the season. Was those conversations had or was Man City that desperate that because obviously the loss to, to Jill Rod, I think it was, you know, obviously limited their options they had in midfield. I think I think we all know, don't we? If you're if you're a manager trying to bring a player in and you're at a point where your last couple of days you're desperate to get some food or you're going to say what you've got to say. I, 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 me personally, I sat down with Laura and like all the players will tell you, the one thing I'll say to them is I'll put them, I'll treat them and I'll have a conversation with them as if I was talking to my daughter because I want the best for everybody individually. And I think that's the relationship I have with them and particularly Laura as well. And I said to her, look, you've got a, a big future ahead of you. You know, if the, these, these doors are not going to close. You know, there'll be opportunities, whether it's the summer, whether it's next year. But the big thing for you at your age, I believe you've got to continue to play. Um, but look, it's a tough one because she is an exceptional talent. So, of course, big, big clubs are going to look at her. And you know what? It's an unbelievable opportunity for her. You know, um, yes, yeah, she's limited. Uh, minutes have been limited so far. But I have absolutely no doubt that she'll go and play a big, big part for them. Um, whether it's this season or next, I think she'll be a huge player for them because she's just got an exceptional uh, amount of quality. No, she definitely does. But going back to, to your current squad that you've got now, you brought in some, you know, how, God knows, what it, five signings in the summer? Um, Ebony Salmon, you brought in, um, you're going to name them for me, the, the winger. Obviously, you, you, you retained Jordan Nobbs. Is that yeah. right? They're out of contract. Given the squad you've got now, are you on task with your goal? You, I'm sure you would have set goals before the, the beginning of the season in terms of where you want to finish. Are you on task for that? Because what is it? You're only a few points now off Liverpool, is that right? You're playing yeah. over the weekend. Um, yeah, we, we set out for top six and still people will probably say it's not realistic. I believe it is. Um, and after five games and, you know, there was a question mark, is it still possible? And I kept maintaining to the group, to the staff, to everybody, it is, it is achievable because this year the WSL, everyone's beating everyone. You've seen that very early on. Um, and that's been fairly consistent throughout the season. So we're on target. Yes, we've had a few, well, a major stumbling start. Um, but do we think, do we believe we can still finish top six? We've got to keep believing until that, that final whistle on the last day and... Um, me being me will tell the players we can go out and beat anyone that we can go and uh, compete against anyone and I'll, I'm that person that believes that we can keep going and, until we uh, until we can't so um, yeah look it's a, it's, a, it's a belief it's a confidence I think there's a confidence amongst the group at the minute so um, you know we've got to keep them going got to keep them believing and, and try and finish top six When you look at your squad Carla I mean in terms of like if you compare it to the Liverpool squad that are above you I would say your squad depth is a lot a lot stronger even you know people talk about Man United I wouldn't say I know they've got a few you know talented players within their group but you know to be competing with the top three I wouldn't say that their squad's any better than Liverpool's or or, or yourselves in terms of trying to push that top three but you face Liverpool on the weekend obviously it's been an international break how difficult is it for a club manager you know, the, the returning players coming back, fitting them in and preparing for, for a game and a turnaround, you know, you know, so quickly. Yeah, that's tough. When you go back to the squad depth, I don't think either of those two teams have faced the injuries we have and we've still got, which is, is caused us a few problems. But um, international break drives me around the bend, Farah, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the few that stay behind, they love it because we have we have a really good time. But... I'm thinking to myself today and tomorrow, final two, 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 two days of games, and I'm praying, I'm watching every game that our players get through because, as you know, we're thin on the ground. But 
we don't actually get them back until Friday and we play oh. Sunday. So Crazy. and that's, that's every international break. So what, what, do you, what, what do you, like, is the work done before you go? Do you, like... We can't, we've been from game to game to game. We've, we've been in the thick of it. And then we've obviously get them back Friday. We've got Liverpool Sunday, Arsenal in the semi-final Wednesday. So it's a very short window. Now, we're very clear in the way we play. We've got a very clear identity. We've got very clear principles. Everybody understands their role. However, Friday, Saturday will look like um, one day in possession, one day out of possession, obviously game plan wise, but it will have to be very light because a lot of players have played, travelled from afar as well. So, um, yeah, an in possession day, out of possession day and then ready for Liverpool. It's crazy. We've seen, you've seen a couple of the, the, the England players, I think it was Georgia Stanway and Beth Mead come out and talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, about the scheduling and the overload and, you know, everybody outside of actually asking the, the players themselves what they think and feel about it. What's your thoughts around around the scheduling? Are there too many games, including internationals and, and club fixtures, um, that the players are able in terms of the body and the recovery? Because the amount of ACE... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACLs, and I, I don't know, you know, you can't just put it down to scheduling why players are getting ACLs. I know there's a lot more behind that, but. In terms of scheduling, what's your, what's your thoughts on it as a club manager? I can't understand those those that are in charge of scheduling. I can't grasp how they can't see that it's a problem. I mean, we're not talking about club games because it's not, you know, I, I'd be very open for the WSL to expand and us have more club games. The problem we the problem lies with too many international breaks. And from what I've led, been led to believe, I think next year is going to be increasing that as well. So... It, I think what we're forgetting is, you know, people compare men's game, women's game. You can't because their journey is very different. You know, the women's game has gone from naught to 100 overnight. So the demands on the body, the sports science, all of nutrition, all those different bits and pieces, you know, some of these girls probably didn't know about this five years ago. Let's be really honest. Apart from yeah. a small batch, you know, your generation that were starting to understand it all. But the reality is, even the academies have not been um, been used to it. So I think that the bodies are being pushed to a whole new level um, and expected to adapt and quite honestly can't. So I think that it does concern me knowing next year there's going to be more international breaks, more, excuse my terminology, but ridiculous tournaments. There's got to be a consideration around player welfare. And I see so many people saying, oh, they're only playing 20, 30 games in a year. But they're not used to it. The, the body yeah. are 
a female body is not used to the demands. And also what people don't understand is the physical and mental pressure that these players are under now and the limelight they're under, it adds to that, to that, um, you know, that, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? You know, it, it drains them. It drains them, Farrah. Yeah. It does. And, and it's tough. You know, these girls are probably, you know, they're under the spotlight. They're, they're being scrutinised in every single thing they do. It plays a part. You know, they're human beings, but sadly people think that they're just numbers. I know. Do you know what I've been saying that for ages? And people talk about all kinds of different reasoning as to why, you know, players are picking up, you know, so many injuries. But as you said there, the game's quickly turned professional. Nobody really knows what that looks like. There's not been enough research around you know, female athletes in terms of the demands of the female game, it's kind of mirrored the men's in terms of sports science. And I remember even coming to the back end of my career and probably yourself in terms of sports science and some of the, the, the running demands that were put on our bodies. And I'm like, I can't effing do this. <laughs> like, I physically cannot do this. I can't get there to there in, in 10 seconds. My body can't get there. <laughs> like, it can't. And, I, and I've been saying it, and, and to the point that, you know, even at Reading, they push players way beyond to the point that they end up so fatigued because their bodies are being pushed past any barrier that they think they can break. And then yeah. they go again the next year and try and improve those margins. And it's like, this is what the men are doing. Our female body aren't, isn't, in my opinion, capable of doing the same numbers as the men. And you know what? And, and it sounds stupid. What, sorry? It'll be gradual. Yeah. But even like, that's what I was saying. Like people always like, when, when, when you hear people talk about size of the pitch, et cetera, or, or like goals. And I know that I know that we don't like it as females, right? But we've got to look at the average speed or you, you think of the speed that females can cover compared to men. You think of distance that, the you know, females can play the passes or whatever, how far they can reach compared to men. And then you think of the average height of a goalkeeper. There is some, in my, in my opinion, some argument as to can the pitch be reduced a little bit? No one would know. And the goals in terms of could they also be reduced slightly? I'm not talking so that everybody it's not it's noticeable, but I could guarantee you if you went to a game and the goals were taken in small, like a little bit smaller, and the pitch was slightly reduced, nobody would even notice. Like th there has to be some argument for that in terms of what the female body is able to deliver yeah. the output. In that aspect, yeah. But then where does that lie with men's stadiums and everything that the, the women's game? Demands. But I think that's what stops people from wanting to do it. Because oh we wanna we wanna at some point be in the men's stadium. But I think our game would look so much faster, so much more attractive if it fitted what physically outputs female could give. Potentially, but it doesn't marry up with, with this new broadcast deal. It doesn't marry up with football clubs trying to get you into men's stadiums. It doesn't match up with all of those other moving parts, does it? And let's be honest, everybody wants to watch the big, well, everybody wants to watch the WSL in big stadiums on Sky Sports, and that's the reality. And I think that we're probably a little bit further away from that. Yeah, that leads me a little bit into you know Emma Hayes speaking about uh, the women's game and the support for female coaches, etc. Did you see her article? You probably would have because is she not your mentor, Emma? Your mentor was she, or just somebody no, that you can? No, just like my big sister, big ear, okay. it, somebody. somebody did me yeah she just mentioned about it but when I saw it I, I agreed in terms of the support for it but I also had my thoughts in terms of do you think or what's your view on whether you think there should be not female specific I just meant in terms of the games are different the psychological factors around the games are completely different how you deal with females to how you deal with males in my opinion completely different in terms of distances as we just spoke about and how you cover them completely different do you think there should be a female only in terms of the women's game coaching um what's it called coaching course 
for anyone. Not, I'm not saying only females can attend it. You think of the amount of male coaches in the women's game. But in terms of the work that goes in, should there be different? Should there be a course for, for female game only? Yeah, there's an argument for it, for sure. I also think that there needs to be more female uh, slots opened up on these courses as well. I was talking to um, Molly and Rosie, twins, about their powerhouse project. It's an, it's an unbelievable project and something they're trying to obviously increase female coaches. And we need more of that. We need more of that in this country. But I think the FA can do more. I think the league can do more. I actually think the Premier League could do more as well. Um, yeah. I know that's men's game, but you're right. I think um, the problem we have is we don't really have a massive pipeline of female coaches and that comes down to the investment into um, into courses and into the women's game. It goes back to the picnic argument, doesn't it? Let's be really honest because it goes back to how are these young girls getting opportunities? Well, they're not because I saw some figures um, recently about how many females were getting in on a licensed courses and it's, it's small. It's very small. Yet we're asking we want to make the WSL biggest league in the world. We want to put on a flat platform, but there isn't enough opportunity. And that's the reality. If they did open up female game and you're right, because in the last few years I've recruit, recruited uh, coaches from the men's game and um, they've, they very, very, very quickly worked out that females are very different. Let's be honest. We're emotional, yeah. aren't we? We um, need a different, you know, one minute we need an arm around us. The next minute we need to be told straight, you know, it's not like working with lads. And we have to take into account what days of the month it is, what potentially is going on at home, what all those all those elements. And you don't particularly. I'm not saying you don't have to think about lads in that way, but women are um, need a little bit more care and attention for sure. So yeah, I think it's something I'll be honest. Never really thought about until you put it like that. Would it would it be a good idea? Yes. Could I see it happening? It probably needs someone to drive it. But certainly our pipeline of female coaches needs to be bigger. However, what I would say is there's some exceptional female coaches in this country that sometimes just get overlooked because we're looking at now European male managers because some clubs want big names or different approach, whereas actually there's some real quality in this country in terms of females, whether they're assistants, preferred coaches, maybe in championship National League, there's some really, really good female coaches out there, but sadly, they're not getting noticed or they're not getting an opportunity. No, I agree. You know, talk about so, so the courses, you know how much, how expensive the coaching <laughs> courses are, right? I know that myself and, I, you know, it blows my mind to think, you know, you're really, if you're wanting to encourage females onto it, one, I think the cost of them really holds you back, given the salaries that you potentially will get with that qualification at WSL clubs, WSL one or two. And then also opportunities because, you know, you've got to be very lucky to get a job in a WSL one or two as a head coach or even assistant coach with zero experience behind you. So how do you get that experience in coaching, but also the cost of courses compared to salaries that are, you know, given out for female coaches within the game? I think or, not, not just not Carla, not just female coaches, coaches in the female game, because obviously the salary is the same whether you're male or female. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the last bit. So you're spending a lot more then what you would, you know, it goes back to that. I think people think that the women's game is further on is, yeah, they're expected to spend 10 grand for an A licence or I don't know what it is, by the way. I did mine years ago. So even although when I did it years ago, it was free, it was £3,000, which was a lot of money. Um, and yeah, I don't know what it is now, but it's expensive. So it is difficult. I think, 
And the problem is nowadays you wouldn't get a look in. Um, and I know this because when we were looking for a, an assistant manager last year, we wouldn't even look at a CV that didn't have an A license on it, which is crazy because there, there might be some coaches out there that are exceptional with a lot more experience. But in answer to how they get that experience, I mean, we I, I did a CEI course a few years ago and we had 14 females on it. Um, and a lot of them are in the game now, WSL, international, uh, good jobs. We all we have a, a quite a tight net, net tight knit network that if any of them are out of work, we invite them in. Or I would ex- I would hope that if I was out of a job, I could knock on their door or go to their international setup. And I think we need we're lucky because we've got thirteen or fourteen of us that can do that. But I'm not sure how many doors are open um, to allow others to get experience. But it goes back to that courses. It goes back to networking. How do you bring coaches together of all levels? Because I think that's when you start to find little gems. It's the same as when you're trying to find players. Sometimes we'll go out and watch lower level. I think it's important. It's the same thing with coaches. There'll be some there'll be some top, top coaches out there outside those top two divisions, but probably have not got an opportunity. Yeah, and, and you think that, what is it? However many teams in WSL 1 and 2 is probably not even enough jobs anyway. But in terms of... You think about opportunities. One thing that frustrates me, and I don't know how it looks now within the women get, women's game, but you think about, we talk about young players coming through and, and opportunities for coaches. The academies, they still train most of them twice a week, play once of a weekend. In terms of then making or allowing them to be more ready when it comes to your 23s or your seniors, if they're only training twice a week, two hours, an hour of that is probably wasted you know, with, with whatever. So they're probably getting two-hour contact time, if we're honest. How or when do you think that might change within the women's game so it's a little bit more mirrored in terms of more sessions in like the boys' academies? This is a conversation that probably doesn't get spoken about enough. So before we played Tottenham, myself, Leanne Hall, Vic Jepson, Emily Westwood, we all stood at, you know, whilst the girls were getting changed, we were still talking about this. And I actually believe that it's um, the way that the academy system has gone in the last few years isn't necessarily the direction that um, is going to help the WSL bring through homegrown talent Mm -hmm. because the gap now is getting bigger and bigger. You know, when you see youngsters coming into a first-team environment, the gap is getting bigger. We're really fortunate at Aston Villa. We've got an exceptional academy. We've, you know, they're in in four times a week, which is great. Um, There's a really good setup there, but they're all now sort of 16, 17 at that level. So the gap is quite big. But in terms of the academy system, something needs to change. Um, What that is, I'm not sure. But it's not like it used to be um, where academy players can go and step up into first team. And I appreciate we talked about the the sports science side of things, which naturally first team players are now going to a whole new level. Um, But I, I do think there needs to be a rejig of the academy system. I think you probably need to open up opportunities for those that aren't playing with first team to drop down and play as well, somehow make it more competitive. There was a conversation of whether academy teams should be in the National League, you know, playing against grown women week in, week out. Would that help? Um, yeah, I think it possibly would. Do I know the answer? No. Does it need a, a probably a big investigation as, as to how to increase it? Because otherwise, look, in 10 years' time, our league, um, we're going to be lacking home, a lot of homegrown talent, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you always hear the lioness of, you know, inspiring the next generation, et cetera, et cetera. But 
every club I played at when I played and, and worked in the academy twice an evening, it doesn't seem to have progressed in any way. And you think if there was full-time opportunities for coaches to work within academies, for example, there's experience in terms of working with the first team and kind of filtering that philosophy all the way through the club. So I don't know where those conversations are and, you know, or who they would be with. Is it, can clubs, is it, is it on the clubs to, you know, have a their academy, I don't know whether making it full-time or not, or is it down to the FA? I don't know, because the FA used to dictate a lot of the uh, RTCs. I don't even know what they're called now. What are they called now? Um, yeah, the RTC. The RTC. <clears throat> the RTC, yeah. I think it's a collective effort, I really do, but at the same time, there's got to be, it's got to, it has to be a collective effort because the funding obviously is coming from clubs, majority of it. Yeah. Um, you go back to that inspiring the next generation, I think that tagline is looks good, but the tagline probably is getting young girls into the game, supporting the game, watching the game. But we need to look from bare bottom grassroots and what it looks like. I mean, if you watch the local grassroots anywhere, the pitches they play on aren't good enough. The facilities aren't good enough. Everything that everything that they're expected to go out and do, they're not good enough. So can the FA do more? 100%. I believe that. I think that... Well, it's easy to say clubs can do more, and I see that quite a lot. But clubs are losing on women's sections millions and millions of pounds every year. And I think that there's an element of Premier League can do more, um, FA can do more, the league and the new league coming in, new co can do more as well. I know they haven't started yet, but we'll just put a bit more work you, on that. Right? Uh, last question for me, it, you, just because you mentioned it, new co, I'm a bit like, What's it going to look like? Are you excited by it? Are you a bit like apprehensive? Like, what's your your feeling around that? Being really honest, I wasn't that excited about it, um, based on what I'd read. And then I met at Emma Hayes' dinner. Um, I met uh, Nikki, and she. I spoke to Nikki Dissett at, at length, and then I came away from it feeling a little bit more positive about it. I think she's got good ideas. I think the key is going to be what that structure looks like, really honestly, because. Um, I suppose the question is, is it going to be still the FA ran by Nikki under NUCO or is yeah. it going to be new structure, new ideas? So I, I don't know. Um, not to say, by the way, that the FA haven't done a great job because they have, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind. Um, no, but look, I think it, I think it needs... It needs a lot of work. It needs a lot of conversation. It needs um, it needs some really important, powerful people moving the game forward. I agree. Well, Carla, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 